This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Blue Wire. What's up, Fins fans? Welcome to another episode of the Finit to Win It podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and we are here today to talk about the Miami Dolphins and the 53-man roster. We are nearing closer and closer to June 1st, which is kind of our deadline to kind of figure out what's going to happen with Rashad Jones, and uh, it's not looking promising right now. I know the Dolphins are kind of playing it coy and Give credit to Brian Flores. Brian Flores has been very professional and quick to offer his support to Rashad Jones uh, as this outstanding issue kind of works forward. I don't think that the direction of the team and the direction of Rashad's career are are really friendly or or sync up well with one another. So uh, we're going to factor that into today's prediction because I'm going to go through the entire roster that the Dolphins have at their disposal right now, and I'm going to make my picks as of right now for who's on the 53-man roster to start opening day. thought this would be a fun exercise, and then next week I will use this 53-man roster, and I will go game by game and make predictions on the Dolphins' 2019 schedule. So a couple cool concepts coming up, uh, some things that look forward a little bit. I know there's a lot of discussion about OTAs happening right now, and I'm just going to do my best not to overreact too much to OTAs. I know I know we get the players on the field and the, the reaction for fans is they, they want to know what the takeaways are. And there's there's not a ton that you can glean from, from OTAs, unfortunately. So by trying to avoid kind of the, the chaos, if you will, of knee-jerk reactions to OTAs. I'm going to try and keep my analysis, at least over the course of the next couple weeks, focused on the Dolphins and what this team will look like in 2019. And we just continue to get no respect at all from outside analysts. And look, I'm not asking for guys to say that the Dolphins are going to be 10 and 6, 11 and 5 in 2019. It's not, not realistic, right? You know, the, the pass rush is bad. We got a little bit of a hole at right tackle. We still need to sort out the interior offensive line. We're missing alpha playmakers on the offensive side of the football. We got a lot of like really good number two type targets. So I get that there's some talent that's missing from this football team. But to say that the Dolphins are going to go winless, uh, ESPN's Mike Clay just released last week, late last week, his projections based on a model that he was using to predict. Uh, all of the games played throughout the course of the NFL season, and the projection had the Dolphins going 0-16. Nobody seemed to have a problem with it. Well, I do. But before we get into wins and losses, we got to figure out who's on the team. 
So we're going to do offense, defense, and specialists. And we're going to start with the offensive side of the football because everybody loves points, right? So I think when you look over the Dolphins quarterback room, I would expect that they're going to keep all three of these guys. Seems like they, they like Jake Rudolph. They've had good things to say about him. Um, so I would expect that they try and roster all three of these guys, which is you know, maybe not ideal when you're considering you're trying to maximize every single spot on your roster. But if you leave Rudolph up to chance, somebody's going to pluck him. I don't think the Dolphins want that. So I would expect uh, the quarterback room on the 53-man roster includes Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's here on a two-year deal. Uh, the Dolphins can kind of break away off of that contract should they decide to after the 2019 season with minimal repercussions as far as salary cap and, and, and payroll. So one of these contracts that the Dolphins and Chris Greer specifically did a really nice job setting up forward thinking and making sure they're not boxing themselves in. So Fitzpatrick's no-brainer, Josh Rosen's no-brainer, Jake Rudock. I don't think they want to take the risk of letting Jake Rudock slip through their fingers, so I will project the Dolphins to keep three quarterbacks on their 53-man roster. Moving to running backs. This is interesting. This is an interesting group because uh, – there's some fresh faces here. There's some gifted players that are in a little bit of trouble that the Dolphins are rolling the dice on. Uh, and then there's a fullback. That in itself is a total wild card and that you don't see a ton of teams that carry fullbacks. They like to let their back end or backup tight ends. Guys like Nick O'Leary handle a lot of those reps. So uh, the Dolphins roster right now with, with backs, offensive backs, Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balage, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Farrow, a, uh, AAF signee, Patrick Laird, uh, Mark Walton, who came over from Cincinnati. He's got three criminal charges against him right now pending. He'll probably be suspended, so there's probably a loophole there. If they want to keep Walton and he gets suspended, there you go. You know, it's he, He's not going to take up a roster spot. Uh, Chandler Cox, fullback, just drafted him in the seventh round. They drafted two backs in this year's class out of six picks. I think those guys are both locks to make this roster. Kenyon Drake, obviously the, the lead back as far as talent, maybe not usage under Adam Gase. But I think Drake is, is one of those guys that's really facing like a do-or-die season. We've heard for three years now how the big breakout year for Kenyon Drake is coming, and it didn't materialize with Adam Gase, and, and he couldn't get on the same page with Gase despite the fact that Gase kicked out Jay Jais because he got along with Kenyon Drake better. So... Um, it's a big year for Kenyon Drake. I don't know if he's in the team's long-term plans, but if he is, it has to come off the heels of like 1,200-plus rushing yards this year. That's He has to do it. Kalen Balage, fourth-round pick last year, really exciting talent. He's a, he's a bruiser, guys. I know we didn't get a chance to see a ton of him last year, but I had a chance to see him a couple times um, at the college level. Saw him live in Arizona State. They played Oregon in 2017. And physical specimen, really good catching the ball out of the backfield, very explosive in straight line situations. There were some questions regarding uh, some of his vision and ability as he's pressing the line of scrimmage to, to find holes and effectively navigate that. But if the Dolphins want to be a team that kind of punches you in the face, which is the vibe that you get, right? They drafted Michael Dieter, who's a smash mouth dude, drafted Christian Wilkins, who's a smash mouth dude. Uh, 
they brought over their offensive line coach uh, Flaherty from Jacksonville, and that's exactly the brand of football that they played over there. Um, drafted a fullback, so you know they're going to play downhill a little bit. I think Balage really projects favorably as a, a, a long-term piece for the Dolphins. Maybe not a star, but I like systemically what he's able to do. Um, so I see clear pathways for Drake, Balage. Gaskin and Cox because they drafted those two guys. I think Walton ends up being starting the season suspended, so they don't have to commit a roster spot to him, and they'll probably cut Farrow and Laird. So you'll have four backs on the 53 week one plus Walton who's suspended and not counting against your 53. Wide receivers is an interesting room. Um, a lot of slot guys. I know a lot of people like Preston Williams. He wasn't really for me. Uh, I didn't think he, I thought he was stale athletically and what i mean by that is he wasn't explosive um looked like he played all one speed and he just he's got good ball skills but he he really wasn't a route technician either so the guys that i'm gonna pick out i'm gonna pick five for this roster uh the fifth spot fourth and fifth spot really come down to special teams ability for me and and that's the divider so Devontae parker took the pay cut to stay here in miami kudos to him for willing to take a pay cut and really try and make this thing stick here in Miami. Kenny Stills, uh, best receiver that they have, I think, as far as an all-around player. I'm hoping whether it's Fitzpatrick or Rosen, you get a lot more dynamic, explosive plays out of Kenny Stills, 20-plus yards down the field. He has a ton of potential in that area, and he's just playing with gun-shy quarterbacks and an offensive line that can't pass block. So a bad mix for the skills of Kenny Stills. Um, Albert Wilson, Assuming he's healthy, his rehab looks like it's going well. He's out there dragging sleds around and stuff like that. You can tell he's on social media every day. He's all fired up about getting back on the field. So Parker, Stills, and Wilson, that's your X, your Z, and your slot. Jakeem Grant, kick return ability, obviously very potent. Made some really nice plays last year before injury settled in and, and, and knocked him out. He had the Achilles. I believe it was a strain. He didn't tear because he wouldn't be back yet, thank goodness. Uh, and then the other one is Bryce Butler, uh, another guy that's got some slot potential, special teams potential. So there's some interchangeability between Grant and Wilson, or if you want to go four wide, but this team's going to really lean on tight ends. So I'm only giving them five wide receivers because I want to give them four tight ends. You look at the roster, they bring in Dwayne Allen. They drafted Mike Isecki in the second round last year. They drafted Durham Smythe in the fourth round last year. They just gave a small contract extension to Nick O'Leary. They brought in Clive Warford. There's a lot of competition in this group, uh, but I'll, I'm going to give him four. I think Dwayne Allen's going to be your base personnel starter at the tight end position, really reliable blocker. Dolphins are going to want to run the football, be physical, the smash-mouth style. Allen can give you that. He's not you – know, he's – just use the phrase for Preston Williams. Allen's also kind of stale as an athlete, but he's been through the ringer a little bit in the pros and – uh, this is a little bit more understandable, and he's done a nice job kind of evolving his career as he's played through you know, Indianapolis and New England and now Miami and, and was kind of predominantly receiving threat coming out of college and uh, has, has evolved his game really admirably. So Dwayne Allen, I think, gives you the best bet when he's healthy, provided he's healthy, to be your base starter. Gasecki, Durham Smythe, would be really surprised if they part ways with picks from last year, especially top 120 picks from last year, Smythe in the fourth round and, and Gasecki in the second round. So then it comes down to Nick O'Leary versus Clive Warford, and 
I know uh, Warford's here because he had a connection with um, Reggie McKenzie during their time in Oakland, and he couldn't stick in Oakland, and then he couldn't stick with the Jets. So here he is, third team. I'm going to lean Nick O'Leary. They gave Nick O'Leary another contract, and they had to know, you know, even though there's some change at the top of the, the leaderboard for the Dolphins, you don't make those kinds of decisions without you know, understanding this is a guy that, that you have a clear vision for, and Chris Greer was a part of that discussion process. So uh, I'm going with O'Leary over Clive Warford. So four tight ends on this roster, Dwayne Allen, Mike Isecki, Durham Smythe, and Nick O'Leary. So O'Leary kind of gives you some of the, the same dynamics that you would get with um, Chandler Cox, but also some special teams kick coverage. He's a tough blue-collar kid, so I don't think it's too redundant. Offensive line real quick before we switch gears and talk about today's sponsor of the show. Larry Tunsil, duh, no-brainer. First or second best football player on this team right now, either him or, or Xavier Howard. Jordan Mills, uh, I think, is the no-brainer to start at right tackle. I know they're, they're going to try and drum up some competition with Zach Starrett, but fun fact about Zach Starrett, he was trash last year. So I don't want to see him on the field at all costs, if at all possible. And Isaiah Prince, a draft selection that they just made. Uh, those are my picks at the offensive tackle position, so you're leaving off guys like Jared Jones-Smith, Aaron Montero, um, Michael Dunn, another AAF guy who I think's got kind of a low end chance to maybe make the roster. He he was one of the guys that I I struggled to leave off. Michael Dunn, um, inside outside potentially play guard the AAF some he played tackle at Maryland, um, and then inside I think this is an interesting group. Uh, Daniel Kilgore coming back from the triceps tear. Uh, going to put him at center, but he's he's the one that I think is going to be in the biggest position battle. Him and Chris Reed, who they signed this offseason from Jacksonville as a utility into your offensive lineman. I think those two are really going to go head-to-head. I think Dieter locks down left guard, who they drafted this year in the third round. The team likes Jesse Davis. I know Jesse Davis didn't perform at a very high level, but you see year in and year out, like even if it's a talented football player, if you're an offensive lineman and you're surrounded with, by by poor conditions around you, it's really difficult for you to do your job well too. So I'm willing to give Jesse Davis a pass going into this year and like, let's see what we got. Why not? Right? Like you can't check all the boxes anyway. So I think your starters are either Kilgore, Reed, Dieter, and Jesse Davis. And then I do have Dion Calhoun, a UDFA from uh, Mississippi State, projected to make this team. Uh, I, I think he's a solid, functionally stout football player not necessarily the best functional athlete but at the same time you see guys there's a pathway for guys like that coming in the league every single year to have success and I think uh, Deion Calhoun you know maybe didn't wow anybody with his athletic traits maybe didn't wow anybody uh, with that the physique as far as the first off the bus kind of guy uh, these guys that, that really kind of visually set the tone it sounds stupid, but like decision makers care about that kind of stuff. I go to the Senior Bowl every year, and, and one of the, the oddest things about my career in football coverage is sitting down in Mobile, Alabama, and watching the weigh-ins before the Senior Bowl, where they have these guys come up like they're shirtless and in spandex, either shorts or pants, 
they come up on stage and they got to get their height taken and their weight taken. And they, I mean, guys are murmuring back and forth, talking to each other the entire time. Physique and build tell you a lot about a player. And, and so, so maybe Dion Calhoun isn't a player that really jumped off at people in that regard either. But I think he's a stout football player. And because of that, I think that the Dolphins are willing to uh, develop him there. I think development's going to be really big for the, the, this coaching staff in general. And they're going to be they – would, they would not regret keeping Deion Calhoun over the likes of Tony Adams and Kyle Fuller and Ryan Anderson, who are the other names in the interior offensive line. So to summarize real quick, three quarterbacks, Fitzpatrick, Rosen, Rudolph, four backs, Drake, Balaj, Gaskin, and Chandler Cox. Five wide receivers, Parker Stills, Grant, Wilson, and Bryce Butler. Four tight ends, which is a little bit of a surprise to even me. Dwayne Allen, Gasecki, O'Leary, and Durham Smythe. Four offensive tackles, Tunsil, Mills, Starrup, and Prince. And then five interior offensive linemen, Reed, Dieter, Davis, Kilgore, and Calhoun. Nine offensive linemen, nine skill guys as far as receivers, four running backs or, or, or offensive backs, three quarterbacks. That's what we got on the offensive side of football. Before we go to defense and special teams, I'm going to talk to you guys about today's sponsor of the show. Harry's Razors is welcoming Blue Wire listeners and helping them save with a better shaving experience. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire and save $10 on a value trial set, which includes five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Enough with the cheap razors. Go try Harry's right now. It's just $3 for our loyal listeners here on Finit to win it and all the Blue Wire pods. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned, so they bought a world-class blade factory in Germany and have been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. Shall we talk defense? The beginning portion of this segment is going to be difficult for you to listen to, and I'm going to apologize in advance, but we need to do it. We need to talk about the pass rush on this football team, uh, because there is none. Defensive ends, defensive uh, edge defenders, if you will, for this team. I I see this team doing a ton of nickel with three-man fronts. I think that's realistically one of the best solutions that you can bring. You know, know, I think you've probably got more favorable projections in odd-man fronts with this roster just because you don't have anybody with any kind of explosiveness off the edge you know even the guys that they've signed they just signed Nate Orchard heavy-handed dude played in Cleveland was really good at Utah I think I had like a a late second round grade on Orchard coming out of college has not been able to stick Uh, it's because he can't he can't turn the corner he can't rush off the edge so a lot of these defensive ends if you will for the Miami Dolphins the Tank Carradines of the world the Nate Orchards the Jonathan Ledbetter as a UDFA out of Georgia they're heavy-handed, and they do a nice job setting the edge, and they give you nothing against the pass. It's difficult. 
This team trades away Robert Quinn, which I do not blame them for doing at all. And they let Cam Wake walk because they get that potential fourth round, uh, fourth or fifth round compensatory pick in return for the 2020 draft. And you're starting. Defensive ends and an even front right now are Jonathan Woodard and Charles Harris, and the backups are Tank Carradine and Jonathan Ledbetter, and that's really ugly. This is the weakest part of this Miami football team, and I, and I think if this team, I can see this team at least offensively, ha- offensively having some success, because I think Tunsil and Mills and and Dieter and Reed, if he beats out Kilgore. I think there's enough there that, that with a new coaching staff, they're going to run more play action. They're not going to ask Mike Gusecki to pass block on 20% of his snaps out of 400 snaps he played last year like Adam Gase did. Uh, you get more spacing for Stills and Grant and Wilson underneath because of the play action. They're going to use the tight ends more. So I, I see a pathway for offensive success for this football team to some degree right now. I do not see any way that you can mask the pass rush issues on this team right now unless you transition to predominantly odd fronts because you can have Godshall, you can have Wilkins, you can have Vincent Taylor. I'm playing Taylor in the A-gaps. I'm playing him on the nose. I'm playing four-eye alignments for Godshall and Wilkins, and I'm standing up outside linebackers like Van Ginkle, J. Ron Elliott, Charles Harris, Nate Orchard, I'm working those guys as stand-up guys outside. I want to go base three, four looks, but I want to spend a ton of time in the nickel because I think that's where you get your best football players on the field. And the Dolphins under Matt Burke last year just did not do it. They refused to play the nickel. It drove me nuts. They loved having tight ends like Raquan McMillan trying to cover athletic tight ends in the middle of the field with no help anywhere around. Just put them on the island. Hey, good luck. You got a 20-yard by 20-yard box, Raquan. Go get them. With that in mind, as I try and project the edge defenders for this football team, I came up with five defensive ends, four interior defensive linemen. Woodard, Charles Harris, Carradine, Nate Orchard, and Ledbetter. I understand Orchard's a little bit of a tweener. I'm putting him with the ends. It's where he's lifted on the depth chart for now. So what defensive ends did I not put on the team that are on the depth chart? The only one I did not put on was Dwayne Hendricks. Okay? I don't think we have any issues there. Defensive line, the interior defensive line was tough. We got Devon Godshall. No-brainer to make the roster. Has outperformed his fifth-round draft selection in 2017. Great pick. Christian Wilkins. I think he's going to be the best defensive lineman that we have. Akeem Spence. Kind of quietly a solid contributor. And then Vincent Taylor. Those are the four that I was able to give him. And uh, that left me cutting the likes of Kendrick Norton, practice squad guy from Carolina who was from Miami and left Miami early. Joey um, Boo, MBU, Joey Boo from uh, the AAF. Jamarius Pittman, Corey Thomas. Didn't have these guys making the roster. So our front is Woodard, Harris, Carradine, Orchard, Ledbetter. Another UDFA, Jonathan Ledbetter, I think, again, really stout physical dude. I think he's reliable along point of attack. You put him in B-gaps, you put him at 3-4-N, I think he'll be fine there. Same thing with Tank Carradine. 
Jonathan Woodard to take my chances with maybe if you want to play over under sets and have him be outside with his hand in the dirt. That's where I can see him having the most success. Charles Harris is potentially a stand-up guy. Nate Orchard's potentially a stand-up guy. Uh, and then we get into the linebackers. We'll get to them in just a sec. Uh, so I have seven, no, I have nine, nine defensive linemen in general. Moving to linebackers, I sub- substitute these guys into uh, two separate groups. I've got on-ball and off-ball. So on-ball linebackers are your stand-up outside linebackers. I gave them two. I gave them Andrew Van Ginkle, who they drafted in the fifth round. And I gave him J. Roan Elliott, who was the AAF sack leader this year they signed. I gave him a pretty substantial amount of cash as a as a free unrestricted free agent. I think his guarantees were like the second highest. I think Garrett Gilbert, the quarterback from the uh, Orlando Apollos, got the highest figure. And uh, J. Roan Elliott was tied for the second highest as far as guaranteed cash up front for a signing bonus given to an AAF player. So I think he makes the team, and he's got some pass rush potential. He played for the Packers a couple years ago. Uh, So two kind of off-ball or on-ball stand-up rush outside linebacker type guys uh, to go with Charles Harris and Nate Orchard. So now you've suddenly got two deep on both sides for for rush linebackers if you want to go base front as a 3-4. And then your off-ball linebackers. I gave them five. Struggled with this group a lot. There's a lot of likable players in this group, just not a lot of top-end talent. I think Jerome Baker... Uh, steal for this team last year in the third round. Raquan McMillan really turned the corner, final six, seven games of 2018, really encouraged by that growth and development. And again, the, 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 the Dolphins being a team that wants to thump and get downhill and, and challenge you between the tackles and play inside out, that's right in Raquan McMillan's wheelhouse. So having him there um, and then even putting him in odd fronts and letting him be the kind of the downhill thumper linebacker I think has a lot of potential to really see him come into his own so I like those two guys a lot Kiko's not going anywhere Uh, I wouldn't have hated seeing them kind of cut their losses with Kiko but it is what it is he's getting up on the end of his contract he's I think he's turns 30 at the end of this year so uh, he's not a part of the long-term plans and and for every good play that Kiko gives he gives you a bad play too so he's a little frustrating in that regard but um, he's a he's a average starting off ball linebacker in the NFL with good range. He's just there's there's some lapses in judgment. He's not very good in pass coverage. So not a player without his holes. But if they go even fronts, you know their three starting off ball linebackers will be Baker, McMillan, and Alonzo. And then the two backup off ball linebackers they gave was Mike Hall, who they gave a contract extension to this offseason, and Trey Watson, another UDFA. I know people like Terrell Hanks. I like Trey Watson. Trey Watson gives you a little bit more in coverage than Hanks does. He gives you more in coverage than James Burgess does. Uh, he gives you more in coverage than, than any of the like Quentin Polig, Chase Allen, uh, the guys that are on the roster right now that I had Watson getting on the 53 over because Watson was an Illinois transfer to Maryland and I think had five picks last year in the Big Ten. He's not super. He's not a turn-and-run guy. He's kind of the anti-Kiko Alonso, right? Like he's not super explosive or twitchy. He's got a good nose for the football. He knows what he's doing out in space. Have him making this 53. So the Dolphins front seven right now. Uh, Woodard, who's a 4-3 in. Harris, who's could be either 
preferably an outside rush linebacker, although I don't, I, to be honest with you, I don't think it's going to help all that much. Uh, Tank Carradine, who's a 3-4 end. Nate Orchard, who's a 3-4 stand-up outside linebacker. Jonathan Ledbetter, who's a base 4-3 end slash 3-4 end. Devon Godchow, who could play B-gaps or 3-technique. Wilkins, who I want in the 3-technique as much as possible. If they're going to play odd fronts, I want him playing in the B-gaps so he can be a little bit more aggressive than if you're going to play him in the A-gaps and task him to, to take on double teams with more frequency. Akeem Spence and then Vincent Taylor, I think, is your, your nose tackle right now. Uh, Jerome Baker, kind of a will, weak side, inside linebacker if you're going to go odd fronts. Kiko Alonso, uh, playing him at the Sam. Van Ginkle, rush linebacker. J. Ron Elliott, rush linebacker. Raquel McMillan. Mike, inside linebacker, no question. Mike Hall and then Trey Watson, who's a little bit of a coverage specialist, special teams kind of guy. Leaves us with defensive backs, and we've got nine defensive backs on this roster. You know Brian Flores' team is going to use a ton of defensive backs. So who do we got? Xavier Howard, duh. Eric Rowe, God, I wish this guy plays the whole year healthy because he's a talented dude. He's just fragile. But even if you can get his play to overlap with Cordrea Tankersley, who's probably going to start the year on the pup list, the physically unable to perform list, uh, as he recovers from the ACL injury that he suffered in early November of last year. If you get half the year out of row, and then Tankersley comes back, and you can put Tankersley at the outside corner spot opposite Xavier Howard, you've broke even, and you did okay. So because Tankersley's probably going to start the year on the pup, he's not on my 53. So I've got Howard, Rowe, Bobby McCain as the top three corners. Bobby's got to stay in the nickel. I know Minka was really good in the nickel. If you want to go, you know, if you want to buzz down and play cover cover one or cover zero, and you want to play Minka and man to man in the slot, that's fine. But Bobby cannot play outside corner. He's not good at it. He gets pushed around. He's much more effective inside. He has to play there. So Howard, Rowe, McCain, that's your first three corners. When they go nickel, that's what it looks like. And then backup corners for this team, Torrey McTire, who got pressed in, ideally is only playing special teams, and Cornell Armstrong, another guy who ideally is only playing special teams and is a backup for this team. You want to get into sub packages? That's great. I would rather bring in a third safety like Marie Smith or Walt Aikens um, because, spoiler alert, I'm going to project that Rashad Jones is traded before the start of the season. So my safeties on the roster are Minka, TJ McDonald, Walt Aikens, and Murray Smith. Rashad's traded. Tankersley's on the pup, but he will come back, and they'll have to bump one of either McTire or Armstrong off the 53. So base sets, you know, if you even if you go nickel, right, let's call the nickel one of our base sets. We should use see it a lot more this year. You got Howard and Rowe on the outside. McCain is the nickel back, the guy that comes on the field for a linebacker, Kiko Alonzo or Rico McMillan. And then you've got Minka and McDonald. You got to get to dime. Then I'm bringing in Maurice Smith, and I'm dropping Minka down to play man-to-man in the slot. I think that's how that looks best. I want to give Minka the chance to roam, but I also want to give him a chance to hunt the football in coverage. Give him a chance to be reactionary and shine. And then our three specialists, punter Matt Hack, kicker Jason Sanders, long snapper, the man, the myth, the legend, John Denny. 
So we're going to go one more time before I wrap up this show. We're going to go one more time, top to bottom, my current projection for the 53-man roster. Quarterbacks, Fitzpatrick, Rosen, Rudock. Offensive backs, or running backs and fullbacks, Drake, Balage, Gaskin, and Cox. Wide receivers, Parker, Stills, Wilson, Grant, Bryce Butler. Tight ends, Dwayne Allen, Mike Isecki, Nick O'Leary, Durham Smythe. Offensive tackles, Laramie Tunsil, Jordan Mills, Zach Starrup, Isaiah Prince. Interior offensive line, Chris Reed, Michael Dieter, Jesse Davis, Daniel Kilgore, Deion Calhoun. And the linebacker hybrids, Woodard, Harris, Carradine, Nate Orchard, Jonathan Ledbetter. Interior defensive lineman, Godshaw, Wilkins, Spence, and Taylor. On-ball linebackers, so rush linebackers, uh, not including Orchard and Harris, who have already been mentioned. Van Ginkle and J. Ron Elliott. Off-ball linebackers, Jerome Baker, Kiko Alonso, Raquel McMillan, Mike Hall, and Trey Watson. Corners, Xavier Howard, Eric Rowe, Bobby McCain, Tori McTire, Cornell Armstrong. Safeties, Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ McDonald, Walt Akins, Maurice Smith. Specialists, Matt Hack, Jason Sanders, John Denny. Rashad Jones traded before the start of the season. Cordrea Tankersley on the physically unable to perform list. Mark Walton suspended. So you'll have potentially Walton and Tankersley coming back to the 53. You'll have to make some decisions after that point. And Rashad is gone because he's traded. Let me know what you guys think. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Grinding the Tape. Make sure you check out every episode of Fin It to Win It. You can do so by hitting the subscribe button. And then check out what else Blue Wire has to offer. The Blue Wire podcast family has a lot of great podcasts, a lot of people in the industry that I have great respect for. They're doing wonderful work. Highly recommend you check them out. Thanks for listening to the Fin It to Win It podcast. We'll be back again next week to go over the Dolphins' schedule and make some bold predictions.